Hello, listeners. Welcome to Determined to Dream, the dyslexia awareness podcast brought to you by me, Christy Huff. I was diagnosed with dyslexia at seven years old, and in my limited edition podcast series, I hope to bring a little bit more knowledge and awareness to learning disabilities. In these next seven episodes, you will hear from people with dyslexia as well as experts on dyslexia. For more information about dyslexia, go to dyslexiafoundation.org. My goal with this podcast is to end the stigma of special ed and learning disabilities. I hope that you enjoy this new episode. Well, we did it. Made it to the third episode of Determined to Dream, the Dyslexia Awareness Podcast. Um, If you guys made it to this episode, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that this um, the podcast this far has been very informative for you. Today, I am super excited. I am interviewing somebody very close to me. Um, You guys will be hearing from my mom. I'll be interviewing Dr. Lisa Huff, my mom. Um, And to give you guys some more insight on a parent's perspective and a parent's journey with... um, you know, having a kid with dyslexia, you know, and a learning disability. Um, I hope that this episode, if there are any parents listening, um, my mom talks about when she first noticed, you know, some differences in learning for me when I was growing up. And it started as early as four years old for me that she was starting to notice some, you know, challenges for me um, in learning how to read and write and spell So I hope that this episode can bring a little light to any parents that are listening to this podcast and have kids that might be struggling right now um, in learning how to read or write or, you know, are just delayed in some way. Um, Yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I know that it was really special for me to be able to talk to my mom and hear her side of of the story. Um, I've talked to her about it a little bit here and there, you know, over the years, but it was really cool to kind of sit down with her and hear her experience um, as well as, you know, and talking to her about my experience. Um, So I hope that you guys enjoy this new episode um, with my mom, Dr. Lisa Huff. Today, I have somebody really close to me on the podcast. I have my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited because I I wanted to um, interview parents of kids with learning disabilities, and um, I thought, well, I'll just interview my own my own mom because you know she knows she knows just as much as anybody else would. Um, so yeah, mom, do you want to? I guess I've kind of introduced you, but do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I, my name is Lisa. I'm Christy's mom, um, and. Uh, so I guess I've known her about as long as a person could, um, and I can tell some stories about her and a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up with her, um, with her, and um, kind of the struggles and the um, achievements that she had. Yes, um, because I think like you know one thing that I really want to make aware to people um, and especially to parents who you know just learn that their kids have a learning disability is how important a parent's involvement is in that child's you know life and and especially their education um i guess i just want to start by talking to you and you know i guess we're talking about me today since that's what we both know um when did you notice i had difficulty reading Well, um, I noticed, um, I think we all kind of, everybody in the family kind of noticed, like when you were maybe four and you still couldn't tell us the letters of the alphabet, couldn't recognize them. And even if um, I sat down and worked with you on something, like I remember one day, um, I think you were probably just barely four. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe it's my fault because I haven't sat down and really worked with you on it. And so we were going to make a poster with M objects and you happen to love everything M. You loved McDonald's, you loved Madeline, you loved Minnie Mouse. So we went through magazines and 
cut out pictures and glued them on a, a poster board and put a big M on it and went through it all. And then an hour later, I asked you what the letter was and you had no idea. Wow. So, you know, that was um, kind of um, just, I guess that's a metaphor or an <sighs> example of, um, of how things were for you then. Um, you know, by the time your sisters were four, they could write their names and we did give you a hard name. <laughs> um, but, and you could definitely make C's. You would go and write C's all over the house, but otherwise you couldn't write your name. So, you know, that was, that was the first, um, those were the first signs. And then um, you were in kindergarten and you were in a Montessori kindergarten class. So that's, you were in a class with three to five-year-olds. And so, um, so no matter what, you never seemed like you weren't up to speed with the other people in your class just because there was a wide range of what up to speed meant. Um, but I did, I spoke with your kindergarten teacher and I said, you know, have you noticed Christy doesn't know her alphabet and can't write her name? And she said, you know, I, we could keep her another year. I think her problem is that she's just more interested in the social aspects of school and not so much in the academic. And, you know, you've always, at least then, you were very mm -hmm. social mm -hmm. in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, and that definitely was your strength. But of course, you know, that was your strength. So you, mm -hmm. you, um, you went with that. Okay. So we, we did not have you stay in kindergarten for an extra year. We went ahead and put you up to, to the first grade. And um, again, you were at a Montessori school and your classroom was first through third graders. Um, I'm sure you were the only person in your class that didn't know your ABCs and couldn't write your name. Um, Fortunately, there was a teaching assistant in your class, Miss Lou, who um, took you under her wing and um, kind of helped you navigate first grade. Um, it was very, it was a very difficult transition for you, um, and it was very, um, you know, it was kind of sad to see you because, like I said, in kindergarten you were um, this very social person and in first grade you kind of became shy and um, didn't have um, you know the same outgoing nature because I think you were just um, scared of everything mm -hmm. and didn't know what was going on didn't know how to approach it mm -hmm. um, so at that point um, dad and I started thinking you know maybe we need to you know, do something to have her evaluated. And so um, we started looking into having you tested um, for learning disabilities. Um, and I think it was later that year, um, it was the end of first grade, beginning of second grade, I think when you had your testing, because the testing is actually kind of involved. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't remember exactly everything. We were we were also lucky because your teacher, Miss Nancy, actually had a son who um, had dyslexia, an adult son who had dyslexia, and she was an occupational therapist as well as a teacher. And so she had a lot of experience with um, learning disabilities, and so she helped us a lot um, through all that. Um, so we, we had to... Um, you, the testing, like I said, is involved. And so um, you had to have IQ tests, you had to um, have hearing tests, vision tests. Um, we had to do all of that. So it took a, it took a little while. Mm -hmm. And then um, the diagnosis came out that you were, you did in fact have a learning disability and you were dyslexic. Um, and so then, you know, we brought your results to the school and um, started to have um, some input from the school also um, because they had, um, even though it was a Montessori school, it was a charter school. And so they had um, some special education um, uh, facilities. I, I, that's not the right word. They had... Um, a psychologist who came to the school and mm -hmm. um, helped to map out a plan for you. Um, and once again, since you were at a Montessori school, it was a little bit easier because you 
you really got to do things at your own pace. Mm -hmm. Um, When you were in second grade, it was okay that you couldn't read because there were first graders in your class who couldn't read. So you didn't seem um, strange. Um, Yeah. And emotionally, it didn't really, I mean, yeah, because I know emotionally it didn't really, I mean, I know I was affected by it, you know, obviously, but yeah, like because there were so it was such like a broad age range, mm-hmm. I I never really felt like oh, like I'm I'm dumb or I'm different or something. Like uh-huh. Right, and and also because it was a Montessori school, you had a lot of hands on type of things um, to work with um, for your math and for your your reading skills and things like that. So I think it was a good place for you to be because you had a lot of different. Um, inputs to work with there you know you could touch things you could move things around um and you could work at your own pace so um so I think it was a good place to be um for your learning disabilities but at that time too we also found a um a tutor for you Miss Sandy um and um I I know you have um (laughs) Um, a love, um, I'm not going to say love, hate, a love yeah. um, kind of frustration relationship with your memories of Miss Sandy. But I, I do think that she gave you a lot of skills that made a huge difference for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you spent a lot of time with her. I think we were at her office um, after school for a couple of hours, probably three days a week. Wow. Um, so two or three days a week. So, you know, there was a lot of time that you spent there. And um, I do think she gave you a lot of skills that you could use to mm-hmm. navigate, you know, learning how to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, we stayed with Miss Sandy till what you were in like, fifth um, grade, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's true. I mean, I remember like, I mean, I still use, when I was learning my, my times tables, we would make up rhymes so that I could remember them like set like uh-huh. seven times seven or was out of line till it became 49 so uh-huh. yes like even even like to this day I think I think my yeah my love hate thing was because I mean you know like anybody like I mean I I mean even now like I hate feeling like I have limitations and uh-huh. you know it's like when when you're in an environment where that's all you're doing is working on something that you're not good at then it, it's yeah, it's yeah just like, exactly uh-huh. just like not uh-huh. no, not I, the best I, no i understand that yeah and you're always frustrated and then somebody's telling you how to do things and then you know you mm-hmm. you're trying but um you know obviously it's hard that's why you're there so um yeah so i think that was that was why um you had that um kind of feeling about her yeah um, but but I do think you know I, I think even you when you look back in the long run you you can at least acknowledge that she did do a lot for you there. yes so, yes and yeah, I remember we yeah. had we had Amanda come I think probably just to make me feel better <laughs> yeah <laughs> to go yeah, yeah so your sister Amanda came and and Miss Sandy worked on her with um some reading skills too um so that yeah so you didn't feel so different yeah and you know we were lucky because um we were able you know we had the financial and time abilities to um take you to an extra tutoring session you know we didn't Mm -hmm. just have to rely on what the school would provide um for you um and so you know that was really fortunate for us Mm -hmm. um and i think um you're going to hear a cat in the background. <laughs> I know. I can hear. <laughs> I can't keep them away. Um, but, um, yeah. So, anyway. So, that was kind of your early life. And I I think um, that you, um, you know, you made great strides. We did, we did have a couple things. Since you did go to a charter school, we were able to bend some of the rules a little bit. Um, so um, we actually had you stay home when they did the the um, testing, oh, the I, annual testing. Yes, I remember um, that. Just so that didn't put you back any or make you feel bad because, um, you know, later on when you did take the tests, you had to go in a, a room by yourself and have somebody read the questions to you. And, and that was just a little bit harder um, 
for you. It would have been hard. We all thought um, when you were, um, you know, in just starting out. And especially like in second grade, I think that's the first year you would have taken the test. You um, you couldn't read at that point. So, um, I mean, you, you were just beginning to be able to read, but you couldn't really read well enough to navigate a test. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you and I went shopping on those days. Yes, I think I, I remember that. <laughs> so for, you know, for people who are listening, um, so the process of like the testing, I don't really remember much, but you, you took me to a psychologist to get tested. And then from there, you went to the school and then that's how they kind of decide to give you help or not is it's like a ca- right because okay. you had um you had um differences between your intellectual level and then the way that you would perform on certain aspects of um like the iq test um obviously you were intelligent but there were some areas that you couldn't um you couldn't process the information well enough to be able to operate at the level that your intelligence should have had you operating at and so that's you know that um distinction between those two levels is what gave you the diagnosis of the learning disability Mm -hmm. one question i have too i don't think i've ever asked you this um but you know and and like like you know definitely like it was a very emotional up and down roller coaster for me you know it's always been um how was that process for you and like how did that affect you emotionally because i i think what i want people to understand with dyslexia is that you know it affects not not only your learning but affects the individual's learning the individual's um emotional health and then it also affects the family so i want to know from you what that was like there are you know there's a a a couple different levels i mean first of all you know you're my child and i don't want anything to be harder for you than it needs to be so of course it you know kind of breaks your heart that um you have um a child that's going to have to have some struggles in life and obviously you know anybody who knows you knows how bright you are and and um so you know it just makes it hard to to see your child struggle and for you to you know i don't want you to feel bad about yourself or, you know, think that you're not as um, accomplished as your sisters because you have three sisters, two older and one younger. Um, and, um, you know, your two older sisters um, always did well in school. They were avid readers. Um, and I mean, the, the irony is that your two older sisters read all the time mm-hmm. and um, then you couldn't read. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I know for me to see you kind of comparing yourself to your older sisters, that was really hard. Um, and then, you know, as a family, I mean, obviously um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a hardship to take you to tutoring, but you know, uh, we had to structure our lives so we could um, take you there and spend that time there. Um, and, um, and then, you know, make sure that, I mean, like I said, fortunately from first to third grade, um, your teacher, Miss Nancy was somebody who really understood learning disabilities. And so she was always talking to us about, um, your progress and how we could help you and what she was doing to help you in school. And so, so that was, that was, um, a lot easier for us, I think, than it might have been otherwise. And also mm-hmm. the fact that you had the same teacher or teachers for three years, instead of having to change, you know, and go into a new, um, a new teacher every year and a new social group every year. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because I remember um, it started really affecting me junior high because, um, you know, it was a public school and I had never, I had never been in a public school, had, didn't know anybody. And then they wanted to put me in, um, special education classes, um, which, you know, I think, I think it's a decision that anybody who has a learning disability that they should make for themselves. Um, and you know, for me, I, I just, I just didn't want, I mean, and I've never wanted to be seen as, different I've you know (laughs) so so you know so then I decided you know I wanted to 
be put into the normal classes or not normal, but, you know, the non-special ed classes. And I just, you know, sometimes I think about this because I've, you know, I've interviewed a couple of people so far for this interview. And, you know, I think it would have been really easy for you maybe, you know, you know, the parents to be like, well, no, like, I think that you should stay in these classes and and, and not, I, I just felt like you always had my back and whatever I wanted, even though maybe, you know, at the time, if it seemed like, well, I don't know, you're going to a new school with, you know, you've never had to change classes with seven different teachers, maybe being in a special ed, more one-on-one environment would be better. Um, but, you know, you always supported me in what I wanted. I just want to know, like, what kind of gave you, I guess, the confidence to be able to do that? Well, actually, you know, when you went to the orientation meeting um, at first in seventh grade and and you realized how you were going to be set apart and looked at as different if you went to the special ed classes. Um, I mean, personally, I felt guilty that I had even considered letting you go into those classes. So, of course, I was going to support you, you not doing it. However, you know, we did talk to you about how if you decided to go into the regular classes, it was going to be harder. You were still going to have, you know, supports and accommodations, but it was definitely going to be different. And it was going to take a lot more work on your part. Um, but you obviously were willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and your teachers were actually um, good at, at supporting you. And then, of course, you had um, your special education advocate. who mm-hmm. um, Mrs. Leroy, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was high. very supportive of you and and took great care of you and was, you know, going to make sure you were successful no matter what. Um, but, you know, it did, it involved a lot of work. You also, you made a lot of decisions along the way. <laughs> um, you decided, I, I think it was in the middle of sixth grade or the beginning of sixth grade, um, you decided that you weren't you didn't want to go and see Miss Sandy anymore. And so I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, if you don't do that, that means I'm your tutor. So that means, you know, how a lot of kids, their relationship with their parents when they're helping them with homework is to yell at their parents and have fights. <laughs> and I said, you know, we can't do that. You know, you have to sit here and we have to um, seriously look at what you're doing and figure out how to do it. And um, we can't be having fights every night. And so, you know, you you accepted that and, you know, took that as another challenge. And so, so, um, you know, um, I relearned, uh, math and yeah. science and everything, <laughs> which was kind of a little fun for me. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, you know, I think we spent a lot of time working together in the kitchen, um, mm-hmm. on your homework, but you always, wanted to do that I you know it's not I I never had to say Chris you have to come and do your homework now because you wanted to excel you wanted to prove that you could do it Mm -hmm. um so um even though you know it was a lot of work for us um it wasn't like I had to drag you in kicking and screaming you wanted to do it and you wanted to learn how to do things um and you worked really hard so yeah, and and you know even now what I've noticed ever you know I've talked to you know Tara and April and Matt, um, you know about their experiences and and one thing that everybody has said who who struggles with dyslexia who I've interviewed so far, they said you know it, it was about finding the way that I needed to learn and then mm-hmm. and then you know accepting that and then just embracing it and mm-hmm. you know I mean e- even. Even today, you know, I mean, I ask you, <laughs> I'll call you and ask you, you know, for help on like, um, I don't really know what this email says, you know, and, uh-huh. and I don't really know, like, what am I supposed to do here? And, you know, I think now, like, I'm just so used, I think we've, you know, we have that relationship where that's where it is. You're not like, um, Christy, you're 25 years old now. No, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, this is just something that I've had to accept about myself. And if I want to excel, you know, I do need some help. And I'm lucky that I do have you to, you know, help me. (laughs) Um, But I think it is just, you know, kind of, you know, for anybody who's listening, 
you know, asking for help and having like your mom or whoever, you know, help you. It's not a weakness. It's just once you kind of accept and discover what, you know, your learning process looks like, then you just kind of have to put your pride down and just, yeah, okay, I do need to call my mom and ask her what this says or else then I won't be able to respond the way I'm supposed to. So that's more important than, you know, maybe feeling like you 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 shouldn't uh have that help (laughs) well right and um i also think that um you you kind of figured out what you needed to do to learn you've always um taken a lot of notes and written everything down so you could go back uh, because you might not remember how to do something but Mm -hmm. then you would write down how to do it so you could go back and figure it out so um so I think you know figuring out um what works for you and you know I mean honestly you know you did have a lot of support and I think that most kids don't have Mm -mm. that support um because you know parents work all the time mm-hmm. and they can't sit down and do your homework with you and so um you know I, I think that's really hard for a lot of kids and so I think that's when um maybe those kids need to feel empowered to go and talk to the people in the special ed department to help yeah. them there and so that um you know they get a little bit more help there or get some more skills from people so that they're able to figure out what they need to do to help with their learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's very true. That's like one thing that, you know, I, I think with kids who have learning disabilities, you know, the support system is the most important thing, whether that Support system is your family, your teachers, your friends, whoever can kind of be there to like help you is is uh-huh. so important. And uh-huh. I I I see like I was so lucky to have you know have the support that I had. Um, one okay here here's here's a question I have. Um, what differences like even now maybe like do you see like and not compare but like you know, like, because, because I only know the way I learn, and I only know the way, you know, the way I am, um, what differences do you see, like, maybe the way my mind works, um, compared to, like, you know, my siblings, or, you know, other people, and not to compare, but just, like, you know, maybe, maybe you have some insight on dyslexia, or how my brain works, you know, than I would. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's still a hard question, um, because I think I'm also, you know, embedded in it all. Um, But, um, but, you know, just the example that you gave about, you know, calling about an email, and what does this email, um, what is it saying, and what do they want me to, um, what's the question that they have for me, you know, your sisters might call with a similar question, but it, it's still different because I think sometimes for you, it's um, being able to read and pick out the important words or the important points and how they all fit together. And for your sisters, it might be, how do you think I can answer this question? Because I, I, I'm not really sure what I should say. But for you, it's like, what are they even saying? <laughs> um, you know, because it, it is hard to pick out those important points sometimes. And I think all of everything that they say in the email kind of, um, in your mind, to me anyway, kind of gets kind of all meshed together and you're not able to pull out the important points sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's true. <laughs> I'm always just like, what? And then if it's too long, I'm just like, I'm just going to have mom read it because I'll spend all this time reading it and then not know what it says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, because I think that's the thing too, is like to be able to keep integrating what you're reading so it all comes together is hard. Yeah. Um, when, when there's a lot there, yeah. Um, so how important, um, was it that you worked closely with my teachers? Because, you know, you 
especially in junior high and high school, you were the one, you know, it wasn't just me that was talking to my teachers and making sure everything was on track. I did that, but I also had a lot of support from you. Um, What was that experience like? You know, like even like going to like open house or like, you know, the first back to school night parents, Uh you know, what was the process and, and like, what did you do? Because I think that there are little things like that, that, you know, um, you know, maybe parents don't know because I mean, how do you know what to do, you know, in this situation? Uh-huh. Um, no, it yeah. is hard. Uh-huh. So what, well, what did you do during all of that? Well, we always, um, we always went to back to school night and we always went up and talked to your teachers. Um, because you know, when you in junior high and high school, when you go to back to school night, you, um, you go up and you, uh, or you, you, you change classes just like, you have your, I have your schedule and I go and I um, go to each one of your classes for 10 or 15 minutes. And I would always go up and talk to your teacher afterwards. And I would say, you know, Chrissy has an IEP and um, she works very hard, you know, and kind of explain what was going on and say, you know, if there's anything we can do, then please let us know and talk to her because she wants to excel. She wants to do well. And so she's not, um, you know, let her know and let us know so we can try and figure out what we need to do to help her do well and to, you know, understand and pass the class and, and everything. Um, and so that's, that's what we did. Um, like from seventh grade, until you were a senior in high school, you know, every Mm -hmm. new year we went up and talked to people. Um, And then um, we didn't always have a lot of contact with your teachers after that. There were some that we did, um, but, um, but then sometimes, you know, it's amazing how teachers don't really have an understanding of what a learning disability or dyslexia Mm -hmm. really means. And Mm -hmm. especially, you know, they see, you and you're successful in all of your extracurricular activities you know you were on student council and you played sports and and so they see all that and so they don't i i don't know what they're looking for but they're looking for a kid that doesn't do do well i think in life and and maybe too who doesn't have confidence because i Uh think that's a big thing you know and and like i had a great support system um, that I, I was able to keep confidence even when I, you know, didn't have confidence. It, I, uh-huh. I think that I still, you know, I, I, and I don't know if I just naturally have confidence, you know, sometimes I think that I, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm just clueless <laughs> thing. So, so I just, I have confidence. Um, but you know, I think that maybe teachers too, if they do see kids who might, have a learning disability, maybe those kids don't have the support system like others might, like, like Uh I had. And, Uh and, you know, and, and, and maybe they're looking for kids that, you know, don't have confidence, which it's, it it, kind of breaks my heart to like, think about, you know, those, those kids and those people who struggle because, you know, I mean, there were times, you know, when I felt like, you know, teachers maybe like, made me feel like, oh, like, to me, you know, sometimes I, I I would think that they thought I was lazy, but to me, I almost sometimes thought, like, they would be like, why do you, like, you don't need to go to this room and take your test. Like, right, right, exactly. That's what I think, too, is that um, they thought, oh, she doesn't really have a learning disability. That's that's not really true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't think, you know, because, because I don't think that general teachers really – know very much about dyslexia and learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I remember having a rather heated conversation (laughs) with your chemistry teacher. Yes. Because, um, you know, you you would go, you had unlimited time to take your exam, and and he got upset because you were allowed to leave the room and come back the next day, and he said to me, well, she might go home and study. And I said, well, of course she's going to go home and study because she'll she will have forgotten everything that she knew when she went in the first day mm-hmm. and you couldn't understand that you know yes and and I was like okay she doesn't have a hundred in your class she I was getting C, C in your class okay? I, know. <laughs> so, I know that was what was I funny she's getting an unfair advantage here yes yeah. yes yeah yeah so um 
So, yeah. And, and he even had a child um, with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. But you see how that's a totally different thing from a learning disability. Yeah. And so he just didn't, um, he just didn't understand at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, and that's what I hope, uh, you know, because maybe it's because, um, you know, the amount of people with learning disabilities, you know, is it's, it's not as many as kids who don't. Although I think that more people have learning disabilities than uh-huh. we realize, Um, and you know, I really hope that, you know, either nowadays or like later on down the road that like teachers will be educated on that, on, on Uh kids with learning disabilities and how to better educate them, you know? Um, Uh because I don't know, it's, it's, it, it makes it difficult to want to try and be in the regular classes when some from some people you don't get the support. And I think that's really just because, like you said, they just don't have the knowledge of what uh-huh. it even is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I think they, you know, they still have the same understanding as what the general population thinks is that when you have dyslexia, it just means that um, you see letters backwards. You know, yeah. It's, it, yeah. They don't have an understanding beyond that. So, yeah, I do think it's, that there is a need to um, to really educate people in education mm-hmm. about learning disabilities. Um, so how did you, uh, or like how much did you know about dyslexia when I was diagnosed and where did you turn to to educate yourself? So actually when I was in college, which actually was a pretty long, well, it's definitely a long time ago from now, but when you were young, it was still... Um, had been a, a long time between college and when I had you. Um, but I had um, taken classes on learning disabilities. I had been interested in that and actually um, gone to graduate school um, to study um, developmental neuroscience because I was interested in learning disabilities. So it's a little bit <laughs> ironic that, that I-, <laughs> I would have a child um, with learning disabilities. Um, but um, so I kind of had a basic understanding, um, and then um, you know the internet had just um, become something that you actually used about the time that um, you were in kindergarten, and so um, so I was able to get a lot of information mm-hmm. from the internet, um, and so you know definitely that was helpful because it would have been you know, five years before um, when you were in kindergarten, it would have been a lot more difficult to get information, would have been going to the library and checking out books and things. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so what advice do you have for other parents who have children with learning disabilities? Uh, because like you said, I mean, you know, as, as we know, because, you know, we're, we're in it, um, it's, it's so important, um, you know, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have you to tutor me, to support me, um, to give me the confidence that I needed, and also to be an advocate and, you know, be able to talk to the teachers, you know, about uh, about my learning disability and also then to kind of fight for me at times, like, because I know that you did, um, you know, when, I mean you know, like my senior year of high school, they were because I was doing well, but doing well for me was like getting A, B's and C's in, you know, um, regular, quote unquote, regular classes. You know, I wasn't in any advanced classes, but I was, you know, doing well. So they wanted to take my IEP away, which um, I'll talk more about IEPs on a later episode. Um, But they want it and that just it gives you help. Kids with learning disabilities help. Um, but you know, what advice would you have? Because, you know, I think that also gave me confidence to know, well, it's okay. I can talk to mom and she, her and I will figure this out together, you know? Well, I think, you know, first of all, if you think that your child is having a hard time, um, say learning to read, um, you know, make sure that you, you keep an open 
um, discussion with the teachers because, um, you know, teachers are, they have, what, 25, 30 kids in their class, and they have all levels of, you know, kids who are interested, kids who aren't, you know, kids who are having difficulties, kids who aren't. And so if you feel like your child is having a hard time with something, then you need to initiate a dialogue with your teacher um, and, and um, you know, you, you might have to push for testing. I mean, public schools will do testing if they think that um, it's indicated. Um, but I, I think, you know, you can't wait for the teachers to see a problem because your child might be in third grade and not be able to read by that time. And, and um, if you catch things early, then they can start learning skills that they need to help them to learn how to read and learn how to be more successful in the classroom and not, you know, I think the hard thing is once you start to get frustrated in school, it's hard to turn that around Mm -hmm. when you're a kid. So I think that's important. And so I think just always, um, and you know, we were lucky. We always had great people in the special ed department, Mm -hmm. except for some people when you were a senior um, (laughs) who, you know, really, wanted to help you and really wanted to do what needed to be done to help you to succeed. And, um, and so we were really lucky and I'm sure it's the case because everybody, you know, has large caseloads and, you know, gets frustrated themselves. Um, but I think just keeping, um, always keeping, um, an open avenue of, um, discussion with all the people, on your team once you've been diagnosed because you'll have a team. Maybe you'll have, um, you know, speech and language therapists. Maybe you'll have a reading specialist. You know, even even if you're in the regular classroom, you're gonna have people who are on your team or who are there to help you with things. And so, you know, just being there to talk to them. And, you know, like I said, um, not everybody can um, be their child's personal tutor, but you can, um, you know, make sure that the people who are working with you um, know what's going on with you and that you, you know, your child understands the importance of uh, listening to those people and um, and taking what they say and trying to apply it to what they're learning how to do. And then always having, you know, having that dialogue with teachers so that they understand that you do have an IEP and that you know, you do have accommodations and, um, you know, there's somebody in the special ed department that knows about you that they can always talk to if they need to. Mm-hmm. So those types of things. This is a question I have because I get asked this a lot um, just in my life in general. Now, you know, my, me going into music and, you know, people ask me all the time, whoa, so your parents are both doctors and like, were they mad that you like decided to go into music (laughs) and you know I kind of or you know or like what you know how do they feel about that and you know sometimes I I think about that and I'm like you know I think we just have like a long history of you know you always wanted what wanted for me you know just just to be able to succeed and excel and to be happy in something and you know I, I I almost think sometimes I mean I think you would support any of us kids and whatever we wanted to do but I think too like almost sometimes like especially like since you know I do have dyslexia and you know I grew up like that you you just kind of always wanted me to follow something that you know I did love and I did um and I did you know excel at more than you know school or or something (laughs) um oh that's right Uh uh-huh exactly and and you know like you said any anybody any of the four of you you know whatever whatever you want to do that makes you happy that's what we want you to do but you know especially you you know you don't have to fit in that formula where you finish high school and you go to college you know you have some you have a a talent you know and you and and a passion it's not just a talent you also have a passion for it and um you know you work really hard to develop that and um, to bring it to fruition. And so, um, you know, how could we ever stand in your way? Um, it, 
it's obviously what you want to do and what you're good at and you work really hard and you figure out how to make it work and that's pretty much what you've done your entire life so um you know of course we want to support you with that and um it's a lot of fun along the way (laughs) (laughs) yes well thank you mom and i guess i mean we've kind of already wrapped this up but i just kind of you know we've said a lot about this but i just kind of want to especially like you know get the point across of, you know, how important, um, you know, a parent's involvement with children with learning disabilities. And, you know, do you have any like last comments? And, and, you know, like we said, you know, like you said, it's, it doesn't mean, you know, like you were my tutor, you know, and you know, you, you, you were there, you relearned math, you learned Spanish, you, you know, to, to teach me and to help me. You know, it's important to have a parent's involvement, but that can look different for, for any parent. Right, right. And I think parent involvement is um, just supporting your child and knowing that they're struggling and acknowledging that um, and um, having expectations, but helping your child to navigate their expectations and just, just always, always having, um, you know, the communication channels open between you and the school. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, you don't, you don't have to be there every night looking, you know, trying to figure out algebra um, again, you know. But, um, you know, be involved with your child to the extent that you know how to help them get the help that they need. You know, if they're mm-hmm. struggling a little bit with something, then, you know, talk to their teacher. Let them go after school and and work with their teacher or maybe get them another tutor, you know, Mm -hmm. another student that's, that can help them with things. There are a lot of different ways that you can do that, but just always knowing what's going on with your child and um, trying to be a little bit proactive so that they don't hit the um, kind of the frustration wall and not be able to go beyond that. And also what, what would you say to a parent? Because, you know, when I interviewed Dr. Elder about this, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about parents' expectations. You know, I'm not a parent, so I can't really say this, you know, strongly. But, you know, I would imagine, you know, being a parent, you do have expectations and dreams for your children. Um, and, you know, he was saying that sometimes it's hard to see the parents still have certain expectations in school for their kids. Um, and, you know, some some parents, you know, learn you know, the hard way, you know, that, okay, I can't set, you know, the expectations, you know, that I thought I was going to set for them. Um, Uh Like, what would you say? And did you, did you deal with that with me? Well, I think, you know, uh, I think that as a parent, kind of, you you always think that you have to say, oh, try and make straight A. And, you know, I think you just have to change to do do your best, you know, um, work and understand what's going on. And the grade that you get doesn't really reflect what you've put into it. Or, you know, just because you get a C doesn't mean that you didn't work hard in that class, you know. Um, And so it's, it's more just changing your expectations so that not because you want to kind of dumb down your expectations, but just having realistic expectations, um, so that, um, you know, you, you are, um, allowing your child to still feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. and not compare themselves maybe to their siblings or to their friends, um, and feel like they're a failure because they're not getting the same grades on tests or the same grades on their, on their report card. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and also I just, I think another story, um, it's not about you, but about, I, I was talking about Miss Nancy, your teacher mm-hmm. in first through third grade who had a son who was dyslexic. And um, she, like all through school, had to read him all of his books and, and read him his homework and everything. Well, he went on and got a PhD in physics. Wow. So, and I, so I feel like, you know, that's another example of, you know, a part of your brain really excels and you just have to have the support to Mm-hmm. to get to the point where you can allow that excellence to come out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Well, mom, thank you so much for coming on here, um, you know, and being interviewed for my um, dyslexia awareness podcast. Um, you know, I think, I think that, it, you know, it's really interesting and, 
it kind of took me down memory memory lane a little bit talking to you about, you know, <laughs> kind of, I guess, just, dis- you know, discovering I had a learning disability and like, you know, it took me back to the days we'd spend, the long nights we'd spend in the kitchen together. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that kind of grew us, you know, together, you know, I think, oh, yeah. I think that yeah. really kind of developed our relationship and like, you know, I do trust you with anything and everything, you know, um, and, you know, you were always just kind of like <laughs> my person that I would, you know, just make sure that, okay, is, and I remember even like doing a math problem and afterwards I'd be like, okay, did I do this right? Is this, is this good? Because I'm so used to doing work and then, you know, I, I think as somebody with a learning disability, you're so used to doing all the work and not knowing if all the work that you did was that you got like the right outcome. So <laughs> even now I, I turn to you for that. So, you know, I, I'm, I know that I'm so lucky to have you and, you know, and I just thank you so much for all of the support that you've given me through <clears throat> throughout my life. Well, it's been a joy. <laughs> so. uh, well, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, you know, I think that, you know, mom, I think that this, you know, will hopefully help people. Um, and, and especially just, you know, you know, hearing stories about what other people did to overcome or get through a situation. I think that's how we learn how to, other people learn how to handle, you know, the same situation. So I think, I think this will be, you know, very informative for people to hear your journey, you know, um, you know, with, with your means. And then also, you know, everybody has their own means that they can give their child and can do. So I think, you know, thank you so much for being here today and, um, everybody, my mom <laughs> and uh, Lisa Huff, <laughs> Dr. Lisa Huff. <laughs> and um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode three of Determined to Dream, the Dyslexia Awareness Podcast. Be sure to tune into episode four where we interview April Babbitt. She was actually a friend of mine from high school and I never knew she had dyslexia. And uh, when I announced I was doing this podcast, she reached out to me and we had a great conversation about her journey with dyslexia. So tune in next time. Thanks, guys.